Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Thank you, Father. You know, we've been, for the last couple of weeks, talking about purpose, and the series that we've been in is called Highway to Purpose. And really, the, the, the point of this is to say that on a road, as you're traveling, who here drove today? Did you, anybody drove? Okay, so you saw many signs. Even if you didn't drive, you saw signs. And uh, those signs are there to help navigate you to your destination. And one of the things that we're emphasizing is that whether you realize it or not, you are on a road. You're going somewhere, whether you realize it or not. You're heading somewhere. And there are signs that you need to pay attention to. And if you don't pay attention to the signs, you won't get to the destination that you need to get to. And so what we want to share with you today is the last, the last installment of those signs. So the very first sign that we talked about uh, two weeks ago was the sign that says that there is a fork in the road. Anybody know about that, right? You see a fork in the road, you know that the road that you're on is going to have to change. Either you're going to go left or right, and we talked a lot about that. The second, the second week, we talked about the no U-turn sign. You know, that's a sign I hate personally, because a lot of times, you know, making that U-turn is the easiest way to get to where you want to get to. Um, but there are times in life where you're going to have to know that there are no U-turns, you know, and that's part of your destiny. And today I want to share with you a sign that you've seen, especially if you drive interstate, if you like to go long distances. I hate long distance driving, but um, if you do long distance driving, you've seen this sign before. Um, so just by a show of hands, who, who likes to drive long distances like like out of state, several states, okay, four or five hours, six hours. Anything over an hour is long distance to me, personally, you know? Honestly, anything over an hour, I, I, I don't like it. But if you've driven down to I-95, right? Um, I, know some, I don't know how people drive to Florida. I'm sure some of you have dr- dr- driven to Florida before, right? I just can't do it. I don't know how you do it. But one sign that you'll often see when you're driving long distances is a rest stop sign. And um, my, my wife in particular, she loves this. Like, I hate stopping. Anybody hate stopping? I just want to get there, right? She loves stopping, you know, loves stopping. She loves, um, you know, just the, the, the stores, the Starbucks, you know. And I'm like, babes, listen, we just been on the road for a half hour. Do we have to stop? No, we have to stop. We have to stop. You know, and I realized that, you know, rest stops are very important. And on the road to fulfilling destiny, you will see a sign that tells you you should you should take a rest. There is a rest stop available for you. And I realize that many of us are going and going and going and we're running and running and running and we're blown by the signs because we just want to get to where we're getting to. We just want to arrive to a destination. We just want to get to a finite point that we think we should be at. And we're blowing past the signs that tell us you need to stop. And so if you're here today and you feel like, man, I feel like I'm gunning and running and I'm burning the midnight oil. I'm just kind of like on this path, this fast pace, you know, 
and you need to rest i think the lord has something for you today he wants you not to ignore the signs you might need to pull over so today is your rest day in jesus name do you believe that amen thank you guys praise the lord i want to start with matthew chapter 11 this is a very common scripture concerning rest but i think it's very important and jesus said it this way he said come to me what should we do we should come and that's a very important thing to understand it sounds you know amateurish yeah come to jesus but coming to jesus is not just coming to church coming to church is not coming to jesus i want you to know that come to me is a posture of the heart is when you say jesus i am laying down and laying aside my way of doing things i want your ways this is what jesus is saying when he says come to me Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. How many people are laboring in life? Heavy laden. You feel like you're, you, you, you're walking with like a, a ton of bricks on your, on your shoulders. Pressure. Pressure. Constant pressure. Jesus has a word for you today. Come to me. He didn't say come to church. He said come to me. Amen. Come to me. That means posture yourself in a way that allows me the opportunity to speak into your life. That's what it means to come to Jesus. Submit your heart to me. Allow me to speak into you. Allow me to navigate you through this thing called life. Come to me. That's what I want to do. I want to do that for those who are laboring, those who are heavy laden. And what does he promise? He says, when you do that, I will give you rest. What will he give you? Rest. I will give you rest. Look at this scripture, John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, and this is for those who may not know the story, he's speaking to a woman who's by the well. It's the middle of the day. It's high noon, perhaps. It's very hot. She's gone through a lot in life, you know, and she's, she's kind of like heavy laden. She's laboring through life. And this is what he says to her. He says, whoever drinks of this water, speaking of the water in the well, will thirst again. Yeah. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. In other words, there are different wells in life. Everybody does something to refresh themselves. If you had a busy week, a hard week, you probably have your routine. Maybe you watch sports. Maybe you go to the bar. Maybe you go clubbing. Maybe you like to eat at a restaurant. Everybody has something they do. Maybe you like watching television, right? Maybe there's something that you do, a routine, someone you speak to, someone you like to hang out with. There are different wells of refreshing. Jesus was saying, listen, that's cool. All of those are cool. But guess what's going to happen if you rely on that? You're going to get thirsty again. Those things are not meant. They're not built to bring satisfaction. Those are temporary moments of gratification. And he's saying this to this woman. He says, listen, you're coming to this well, this natural well of water. And he's using it because we all need water naturally. He says, but you know what? You're going to thirst again. You're going to want something again. You're, this is not going to leave you feeling satisfied. Come to me. I want to satisfy you. Come to me. I want to fulfill you. Come to me. I want to refresh you. Now, I have a, 
question for you, and I want you to think about it. Many Christians have come to Jesus, and yet they are still dissatisfied in life. Is that true or no? Why is that? If we've come to Jesus, and many people are still thirsty, why is it that many people have come to Christ, and they're still heavy laden, and they're still laboring, and they're still wanting rest? I know, that, I know we've thought about that. Like, wait, okay, I've come to Jesus. I, I cried at the altar. I said, Jesus, take my life. You know, I will follow you. And yet, I still feel thirsty. I still feel hungry. I still feel depleted. Well, the answer is in there. I like that. Let's read the scripture again very carefully. He said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain. Somebody say fountain. A fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What am I saying? Jesus didn't just give you water. He gave you a fountain. He gave you a fountain to tell you something, that this is something I'm putting in you, and I expect you to drink from the fountain. It's one thing to give you water. It's another thing to give you a fountain of water. In other words, I'm giving you a place that you can look into where you can drink and be satisfied. That is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. He is the fountain that God has put in you. It is the Holy Spirit, when you said yes to Jesus, that is put in you, that we all have the responsibility to drink from. So the reason why some Christians are saved, they have the Holy Spirit, but they're still thirsty, they're not satisfied, is because they're not drinking from the fountain. Today, you're going to drink from the fountain. You have a fountain, but you must drink from that fountain. When you really think about that, how do I drink from a fountain? I'm going to share with you a little bit on that. But first and foremost, you need to pull over. If you're on that exit, or you see that exit sign, I need to rest. You need to come to him. Lord, I need to rest. I see the rest sign, and I want this fountain that you're going to put in me, and I'm dedicating my life to now drinking from this fountain. Turn with me to John chapter 7. John 7. Somebody said, this is a teaching church. church. All right, you guys with me? John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, and this is the feast of the tabernacles where they would uh, have a bunch of celebration. They would be celebrating. And on the last day of the feast, they would have what is called the ceremony of the water or the libation of water, and they would pour buckets and and vessels of water all throughout the altar. It was a very ceremonious and joyous occasion. And on the very last day of that that feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Some people come to Jesus, but they're not drinking. He says, I want you to come to me, but I want you to drink from me. I don't want you just to be saved. I want you to drink from me. I don't want you just to come to church. I want you to drink from me. Anyone who is thirsty, I want you to drink from me. And he's worthy to be drunk from. Amen? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me tell you something. You have a fountain on the inside of you. He's the Holy Spirit. God intends for you to drink from him. He intends for you to engage the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. As you do that, it will be a fountain that causes you not to ever thirst again. That means you don't have to wander and wonder about where you're going in life. You could tap into the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. That means you don't have to feel like you have no strength, no hope in life. No, all the strength, all the hope you need is found in the Holy Spirit. He's there to provide that for you. That's one of the most critical things I've learned as a believer, that everything I ever need has been given to me by the person of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me, and all I need to say is, Lord, reveal it to my mind. Show me the direction you're sh that you want me to go on. Give me the answer. I never talk about how I don't, know I don't know this, I don't understand this. No, the Holy Spirit is in me, and he's there to enlighten me. Everything I could ever need, everything you could ever need and want is inside of you if you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't have to thirst anymore. You don't have to hunger anymore. I'm talking about thirsting and hunger for things that will never satisfy. You don't have to thirst for those things that will never satisfy anymore. God wants you to hunger after him, yes. He wants you to thirst after him, yes. But you don't have to hunger and thirst after things that don't satisfy you. Today is your day of change in Jesus' name. I feel, and I felt this all week, and I'm going to just speak this over life, church. There's a hunger being stirred on the inside of you that God is about to stir up in you in a mighty way. I feel it personally for myself, and many times when that happens for me, I know that it's something that's happening in the entire church. There is a hunger and there is a thirst that is going to drive you to God's presence like never before. There's a hunger and a thirst that's going to drive you to put aside the things that are not beneficial for you this season God's going to fill you to the utmost you're going to feel a, a joy like you've never felt before you're going to feel a, 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 a content that you've never felt before and it's going to come by way of the Holy Spirit breathing new life into you new life into your mind new life into your family it's happening now receiving in Jesus name Jesus wants you to drink from him somebody say I'm ready to drink this is how you take the rest, the, the exit sign. This is something that Lord told me not too long ago. And I'm so excited that he told me this because I, I feel a, a fresh. And I was talking to someone just the other day about this, so this is amazing. How do I come to the Lord? This is, this is, some of you probably never done this before, but many of you have. One of the things that's going to stir up this hunger and thirst for him, and yet, satisfy your heart at the same time is fasting. Somebody say fasting. Fasting is something that you're not commanded to do. Fasting is something you're invited to do. You won't see a command in the New Testament that you must fast, but you're always invited to do it. And I thought of it this way, Jesus fasted. If he fasted, there must be some benefit to it. Fasting is when you take a season of time. It could be a day. For some people, it's just a meal or two. For some people, it's a couple of days. Some people have gone a week. 
depending on what you're able to do, fasting is when you take a season of time and you dedicate that time to praying and seeking God and you deny yourself the things that you normally would not deny yourself, which is mainly food. There is something powerful that brings satisfaction to you when you are fasting from something that you think will bring satisfaction to you. This is why Jesus, when he was fasting, said, man will not live by bread alone. What was he saying? In this place of depriving myself, I'm reinstating this truth that life does not consist in the things that I'm constantly running for, gunning for, hungering for, eating. No, 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 no. I can feel fulfilled by the word of God and by prayer. And as such, in this season of time, I'm choosing to fast. I feel that the Lord is calling some of you to fast this season. And when you do, you're going to sense a fulfillment in life. Sometimes it's fasting that causes you to reset something on the inside that needs to be reset. You're on one path. You're going in one groove. You're making the same decisions. You're thinking the same way every morning, doing the same thing in the afternoon, ending up with the same kind of day in the evening. You're on the same track, same track, same routine, day after day, night after day. You feel the same way because you think the same way. You think the same way, so you do the same thing. And fasting is a way to reset that. All of a sudden, you have a new focus on what's really important. And when you do that, it brings a refreshing on the inside of you. Some of you, you need to go away. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You need to go away and go on a retreat and say, you know what? Lord, this day is just you and I. This day is just you and I. I'm going after you. I'm hungering for you. And as I'm hungering for you, you're going to fill me to the place where I'm not hungering for the things that do not satisfy Oh, I feel that there is a stirring happening right now. You're going to begin to sense God calling you and pulling you and wooing you. My, my admission to you is to answer that call. Say, yes, Lord. I feel you, you, I feel you calling me, pulling me, and I'm answering that call. Fasting is a way to enter into God's rest. So let me just give you some basic guidelines. When you're fasting, don't do a lot of work. Don't do a lot of moving. Make sure that your day is kind of quiet and settled. Don't exercise yourself. Be still. When you're fasting, make sure you're praying. Praying. When you're fasting, make sure you're in the word. When you're fasting, make sure that you're not busy with a lot of different things. Give God the space he needs to weigh in in your heart, weigh in in your mind. It's in fasting that God begins to refresh you. Anybody receiving what I'm saying to you today? It's fasting that causes you to be reset. So if you're, again, you feel like you're burdened, you feel like you're heavy laden, you feel like you're pushing, is it possible that you need to step away, take the exit sign? You see the rest signs all down the road, you've been ignoring it. Maybe it's time that you pull over and allow you and your heart to be open to the counsel of Jesus and allow him to bring a refreshing in your life. If you receive that, say, Lord, I receive that. Hallelujah. Take the exit by fasting, reading the word, praying. I would say reading books on spiritual development. Take time off from work. Devote a day or two just for you and the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you do that, it's going to reset your heart. And here's another thing about fasting, which I want to kind of sort of end on. Fasting will cause you to live a life that's yielded to the will of God. 
if your flesh is constantly at war with God, fasting will cause you to come to a place where you're now yielded to the will of God. Lord, I want to do God's will. I want to do your will, but it's so hard. Fast. When you fast, you come to the place where your heart becomes yielded and soft. Now, think about the yield sign for a bit. The yield sign is not stop. It's just yield. So many times you slow down and you just allow the other vehicles to, to go before you. That's what yield looks like. It's when you just allow God to weigh in on your life. You allow God to set the course. You allow God to go before you. That's what yielding looks like. And some of you, if you are fighting the will of God, you're fighting doing God's will for your life. Let me tell you something. Fasting will break your flesh to the point where you'll say, Lord, I yield now. This is what Jesus did when he yielded on the cross. Before he did that, he was praying, Lord, not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. Think about that. I mean, you would think Jesus wouldn't have to pray that. No, he had to pray that. Jesus didn't want to physically feel the agony of the nails. He didn't want to be beaten. He didn't want to be mocked. He didn't want to be kicked. He didn't want to be spat on. He didn't want a crown of thorns on his head. He didn't want his beard ripped from his face. Jesus did not want that. More than that, he didn't want to feel the entire weight of the world, of the world's sin on him. He didn't want to experience that. That's why he had to pray, Lord, not my will, your will be done. He prayed with agony. The Bible says that he was sweating like droplets of blood. That's how intense he was praying. That's how intense the moment was. And it was in prayer that he became to a point, he, he came to a point where he was able to yield his flesh to the will of God. And the Bible says something really powerful. He was on the cross. As you might know, or maybe you heard the story, there were others that were on the cross but with him. One to the right, one to the left. They were robbers, they were thieves, they were murderers. They were all you know, guilty of what they were charged of. Jesus was the, the first one to die out of them. He was the first one to die. Why? Because he did not hold his weight up on the cross. It was customary that when people were being crucified, one of the ways that they would resist death, they would hold their weight up. Because it's not really the cross, it's not the nails, think about it, it's not the nails going to your hands that kills you. If I, put, if I take your hand and I drive a nail into your hand, you're not going to die. You don't die that way. If I take, a, if I take nails and I, and I drive it into your feet, that's not going to kill you. Those are no, there's no vital organs in your hands. There's no vital organs in your feet. What did Jesus die of? Crucifixion causes you to lose oxygen. You literally, your lungs get filled with blood. You can't breathe. That's, what, that's, that, that's how you die when you're on the cross. You're not dying because your, a major organ was, killed, was damaged. You can't breathe in that position. So what people would do while they're on the cross, they would hold their weight up because it gave them leverage to be able to breathe. Jesus did not do that. He submitted to the cross. He yielded to the cross. And he said, Lord, unto you, I yield my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his last and he died. The others were holding their weight up. So what did they have to do for the others? They had to, come, they had to come and they had to break their legs. 
You'll see this in the Gospels. They came and they broke the legs of the others that were being crucified. And when they broke their legs, they couldn't hold their weight up. That's what killed them. And this is what, the, this is what it looks like when you're, not, when, when you're resisting the will of God. Because it was the will of God for Jesus to be on that cross. When you're, when you're resisting God's will, when you're not yielded, you end up more broken. People who resist God's will, they do it out of brokenness. This is the paradox behind it. People who resist God's will, they do it out of brokenness. I don't trust that God's will is the best for me. I don't trust that this is going to yield happiness and fulfillment. I don't trust that I'm going ha- I'm, I'm, I'm to enjoy the end result. So they're broken on the inside because they don't have trust in God. They're referring to the past, the past pain, the past disappointments, and they have trust issues. So what do they do? They hold themselves up. No, 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 no. And what ends up happening? Their legs get broken. They become broken in life by the things that they go through that are contrary to the will of God. God is saying, I want you to yield to my will so that your bones are not broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus, this is the yielding season for you. God is calling you to a deeper place in him, a a place of consecration, a place where your life, where you live like this. My life is not my own. Jesus, my time is not my own. My money is not my own. Amen. Everything I have is not my own. Everything I have must be used in the glorification of Jesus Christ. It's when you live a yielded life that you enjoy the rest, the rest that Jesus comes to give. There's three areas that you're going to find yourself needing to yield. This is not on, but if you can take notes, feel free to follow me. God wants you to yield when it comes to re- your relationships with people. People. There's too many back and forths, headbutting, fighting, resisting. You know how you experience the rest that comes from the Holy Spirit when you live a life that is submitted one to another. Yielding yourselves to one another. That means you're not posturing yourself, resisting people, always in arguments, always fighting, always, you know, challenging. No, no, no. I'm yielded. My desire is to submit one to another. You'll see that God constantly speaks of this, yielding yourselves to one another, preferring one another. This is what invites the Holy Spirit and his works in your life. Because God operates in a place of yieldedness. He operates in a place of submission. Not just to him, which we'll get to, but he operates in a place of yieldedness to one another. That's where the Holy Spirit has free reign to rule, to, to, to roam, and to have a place in your heart. Is when you're yielded to one another. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read this really quick. It says in 17, Therefore do not be unwise. What shouldn't you be? But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with what? So, you know, drunk, being drunk with wine, it intoxicates you, it allows you to do things that you probably wouldn't normally do, do say things you wouldn't say, it, it kind of makes you a little loose, it kind of makes you all this stuff, right? Well, the same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. It brings you into a place of rest. He influences you. He breaks the brittleness out of your life. He causes you to flow in a place of just ease and rest and yieldedness. That happens when you're filled with his spirits. 
And he says, this is what's going to happen. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the last part. Submitting to one another. Somebody say, submitting to one another. This is where I feel the Lord wants me to really camp on. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Is it possible that some breakthroughs will happen when you choose to submit to one another? What does that look like, Pastor? How do I submit to one another? It means you posture yourself in such a way where you look for the way of compromise and yielding to one another. You're not looking to fight. You're not looking to assert your will over someone else's. You're looking to actually do the opposite. You are looking for ways in which you can yield your will to someone else. That's the way of the Lord. Now, that's hard. I get it. I get that sometimes there's people who are, you know, really difficult to, to, to work with or to deal with. And I'm not saying that you have to yield yourself to something that is ungodly. I'm not saying you have to yield yourself to something that's out of the will of God. Please be clear about that. I'm talking about just normal things, personality quirks. I'm talking about in your family. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about things that are just really rooted out of pride and ego, where I just don't want this because I just, you know, I just want this this way. That's why, you know, it has, it's really not consequential. It has no meaning. It has nothing of eternal value, but it's your pride that's lifted up and you're resisting people. No, God is saying, no, no. Lay your pride down. Put your pride down. Put your ego down. I brought people into your life. You have to be willing to yield yourself to one another. Glory to God. So that means, yeah, I, I would prefer it this way. But you know what? We can do it that way. You know, I, I think this is probably more, you know, effective. But you know what? Let's try it your way. Let's do it that way. And if it doesn't work, I ain't going to be like, yeah, you see, we should listen to me. No, let, let's try it your way and let's be all in on it. Let's be all in. We did it together. You know, this was my original thought about that. But you know what? Let, we, we, we can try it this way. This is how you see it? Okay. I, I can try to see it that way as well. The spirit of yielding and submitting yourself one to another invites the Holy Spirit into the room. God operates in the place of that because that's where there's unity. And I'm, again, I'm not saying submitting yourself to something that's ungodly, something that's not the will of God. I'm talking about just when it comes to your pride, when it comes to ego, when it comes to things that are just of the flesh, God is saying, kill all of that and submit yourself one to another in the name of Jesus. If this was going to cause peace, I'm going to pursue it. If this was going to cause unity, I'm going to pursue it. Yes, I can lay myself down. I, I like to do this every day. This is my way of doing this. This is what I like. But you know what? I can sacrifice my way. I can do that for the, for, for the pursuit of peace and unity. Anybody with me on that? This is a key to having successful relationships is learning how to yield yourself one to another. Here's another way you're going to have to yield yourself. Yield yourself to circum in circumstances. Someone say circumstances. Or I'll say trials. Trials. Things that are very difficult. Circumstances that you find yourself that is trying your faith. I love the scripture found in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, 
How should you be when you're in various trials? Joyful. Things are testing your faith? Be happy. <laughs> I still haven't mastered this. I'll be honest with you. I'll be, I'll be the first to admit that. I'm mad when things ain't going my way. I'm mad when circumstances seem to be stubbornly standing in my way. Anybody with me on that? I'm mad when I'm like, yo, Lord, come on, let's get this popping here. I'm mad when you find your, aren't you mad when you find yourself in relationships and I'm talking about friendships, relationships, co-worker relationships, whatever kind of relationships, and there seems to be just a thorn in that and you just can't seem to get out from? Bible says be joyful. One verse, one verse says throw a party. Throw a party. Get happy. I remember one person um, lost their job and um, they threw a party. Not because they hated their job. They threw a party because, you know what? The Bible says count it all joy when you fall, when you fall into various trials. Let me throw a party. Get, gather a few friends over the house. Hey, guys, I have some, some news. Just got laid off. Woo! Right out the streamers. <laughs> Count it all joy. Why? Why? Count it all joy. Knowing. Someone say knowing. You can count it all joy when you have a certain perspective. That's where joy comes. Joy comes from perspective. Joy comes from perspective. The reason why people are not joyful because they don't have a perspective of the future. That's what joy is. It's a perspective of the future. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But then it says this, let patience have its perfect work. Some of you, you're feeling patience develop. And, and, and you, you, know, you know you're developing patience. You know you're, you're stronger than you've ever been. You feel like you can endure more. You feel stronger. You feel wiser. You feel that. But don't make the mistake of cutting it off. Let it have its complete work. Let the completion of that work take place in your heart. Let patience have its complete work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Somebody say, lacking nothing. So if you do everything I just read, this is the end of your trial. You will lack nothing. That's the perspective. You will lack nothing. The reason why we sometimes lose joy is because we see that we are going to be in lack. No, change your perspective, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. So in circumstances, how do you yield? Sometimes there's things that you can't change in the energy of your flesh. You yield like this, Lord, I submit this into your hands. I'm not going to fight over it. I'm not going to stress over it. I'm going to rest and yield my will as to what you're doing. There are things I can't control, things that I cannot manipulate, things I cannot change by the power of my hand. I'm yielding myself to you. I yield you, Lord, the space that you need. Notice this. There's a scripture in Romans. Romans, I believe it's chapter 12, where it says, give place to wrath. In other words, there are people who will do you wrong, and you're going to want to do wrong back to them. God says, no, 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 don't do that. Give place to wrath. I will repay. In other words, yield to me. Yield to me. I know how to deal with an individual. I know how to change someone's heart. I know how to deal with someone who is making life difficult for you. Yield to me. 
Sometimes you find yourself in circumstances where you're fighting with an individual. You're trying to change someone. You're trying to force them to change and see it your way. No, 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 no. God is saying, yield to me fully. Let patience have its perfect work. And in the end, you will lack nothing. I know how to fight for you. I know how to speak for you. I know how to influence for you. Yield to me in circumstances. See, it doesn't mean that you can't fight as a Christian. I know there's a time to fight. There's a time to do battle. There's a time to speak up. There's a time to do all of that. But there's also a time to yield to the Lord. That's when things start happening for you. I speak that over your life in Jesus' name. Who's going to yield? Who can think of things that, yeah, I can yield on that? There's some things I've been going hard on this, but I can, I can yield here. I can, I can kind of fall back on this one, Lord. I know I've been trying to push it my way, do it my way, but I'm going to fall back on this. You're going to yield in Jesus' name, and then it's going to yield increase in your life. So I said people, circumstances. I've been talking about this last one the whole time, but I'll say it again. Yield to God. Yield to God. Romans 8. 13 and 14, and yielding, by, yielding to God looks like this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, somebody say led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. Yielded to the Lord looks like this. I'm led by his Spirit. I'm led. That's what when you're yielding and you're allowing the traffic to go, you're sort of being led by the traffic. Okay, you go, and then I'll go after. You go, and then I'll merge after. That's the picture that God is saying. Be led by my spirit. Now, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. God will speak to you. God is speaking to you. Acknowledge when he speaks to you. Get used to saying this. Lord, I hear you. Yeah. I, I, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. You're speaking to me right now. I hear you. Any time you feel, let me, let, me, let, me, let me give it to you this way. Let me, let me give you an elemental level. We all know what it feels like to be tempted to do wrong, right? Well, when you're tempted to do right, where's that temptation coming from? Holy Spirit. We think about temptation in a very bad way. The Bible says that God cannot tempt anyone with evil. But the Lord tempts. We don't use that word. I get it. But I want you to understand, every time you feel an impulse... Do this. That's the Lord speaking to you. Go here. That's the Lord speaking to you. Be in church. That's the Lord speaking to you. Pay your tithes. That's the Lord speaking to you. <laughs> Every time you feel tempted to do the will of God, that's the Lord speaking to you. So what do you do? Lord, I hear you. Lord, I hear you. Lord, you're speaking to me. I acknowledge that. And the more you acknowledge him speaking to you, what happens? You start to hear his voice louder. Yeah. You start to hear his voice louder. And as you hear his voice, you make a decision, I'm going to be led by his voice. And it says those who were led by the Lord or, or by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, what does that mean? In the connotation that it's written, it means they are the mature children of God. When you're led by the Spirit, you are mature in your walk with God. That's what the Lord wants for you. I used to be someone that wasn't led by the Spirit. I used to be someone that lived on my own terms, did my own thing. 
I kind of compare myself to like Peter. Peter in the, in, 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 in the Gospels, he was one of the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus says something to Peter at the end of Peter's life, or at the end of, he spoke about the end of Peter's life. And he said, Peter, you used to go wherever you wanted to do, did what you wanted to do. And if you look at Peter's life, Peter was a hothead. He was very temperamental. He was very, you know, he was, he was always like, you know. And Jesus said, you know what? You used to do whatever you wanted to do. Do this, do this. You felt this. He says, but there's coming a point in time where you're going to be held by the hand and you're going to be led to where you don't want to go. And he was speaking about how Peter would glorify Jesus in his death. Now, that doesn't sound so encouraging. No one wants to be held and, and become a martyr. I get that. But here's the point I wanted to show you. If you see Peter's life, if you read him in the epistles, if you see what he wrote, you see his maturation. You see how in the Gospels he was so one way. And when you see what he's talking about in his epistles, you see how he's matured to rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, that's where you're at. You're that temperamental stage. You do what you want to do. I like it, I do it. I don't like it, I don't do it. I feel it, I say it. I'm thinking it, I say it. Right? I, I do what I want to do. I'm, I'm living my life on my own terms. Okay? But that's going to lead you but so far. That's going to lead you to a place of thirst and hunger. God is saying, listen, become mature. Trust me with your life. Let me lead you. I will lead you to a place of rest. I will lead you to a place of yieldedness. And when you yield, this is the beautiful thing about yielding. God doesn't expect you to always be yielding, 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 and never going. If you look at traffic, that yield process is just a little time in comparison to when you're going. But it's so critical. When you don't yield proper, I mean, listen, anybody would consider yourself a good driver? All right, cool. Anybody have pet peeves about bad drivers? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I pride myself on being a pretty good driver. Yeah, I text every once in a while, but I'm still a good driver. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't text and drive. But that small little time of yielding is so critical. And if you get that right, if you get that right, think about it. You're going on to an exit, going off an exit. You get that right, then you can go. The problem where people are stuck is they don't get the yield part right. And they're stuck. And they're crashing. Get that small part right. Get that small part right. And God will launch you further than you can ever imagine. Think about that rest stop. That rest stop is just five minutes, ten minutes. It's a small time period when you think about it. But you go into that gas station, that rest stop, and it's just there for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. But doesn't it allow you to go for hours after that? That's the problem. A lot of people don't want to pull over. They don't want to come to Jesus. They, they want to just keep going and going and going until you run out of gas and you're stuck. And it takes you longer to get to where you need to go. God is saying to you, look at the rest signs. Look at the rest signs. Pull over. Come to me. I will give you rest. And I will cause you to live a life of yieldedness where I can launch you forward further than you can ever go on your own strength. That's how you fulfill purpose. 
I'm speaking that over you in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will fulfill God's purpose for your life. I'm so excited about a series I'm going to teach you. I hope you guys come in May because the Lord has kept giving me this. I'm just going to say it right now. It's going to be a campaign. I think we're going to have shirts for it or something. It's going to be a, yeah. Mode, mode over mood. It's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be mode over mood. Someone's working on it for us right now. Either mode over mood or mode greater than mood. What should it be, guys? Mode over mood. We'll see how about that. But those have been sharing with me how there are people who are aborting their destiny because they don't know the difference between mode and mood. And you're living in the mood and you're not in a mode. That's going to change for you. That's going to change for you. It comes from a place of yieldedness. I'm excited. I want to invite you to, I feel the Lord stirs, stirring me up personally. And I know, I know it's not just for me. So I'm going to just say it again, as I said earlier. If you feel, if you feel like you can, I want, I want to encourage you to fast. Fast a day, a meal. I just feel like the Lord wants to do something in our church in this season. And it's going to require another level of consecration. First starting with me, but I want to also invite you on this journey as well. Something special is about to happen in this season for you. Oh, praise the Lord for that. In the name of Jesus. There's going to be a hunger that's stirring up. I'm telling you. I said this on Tuesday. We pray every Tuesday from 630 to 730. I said, <laughs> you know when there's a hunger in the place? When the place is filled with people who want to pray. That's our destiny as a church. Now, listen. Let me, let me, I want to be very clear. I know. So don't feel. Do not feel condemned or whatever. Some of you cannot make it because of work and stuff like that. I get that. So that's not what I'm talking about. I don't want to just pigeonhole it to like, oh, you're not here 630, you're not hungry. No, no. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, what's going to end up happening? I'm just speaking it right now. Just get Our Tuesday night prayer is going to be one of the most intense because there's going to be hungry hearts seeking after God. And it's going to go beyond Tuesday night. It's going to be in your own home. It's going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be gathering your family. Let's turn off that TV, guys. Come on, let's just pray. Let's, let's just shut this down. Let's just pray. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's happening right now. I feel that. It's happening right now. Yeah, I know we were going to go to the movies, but let's just take this time and seek after God a little bit. Let's just worship a little bit. You know, I, this has been someone on my heart. Let's just go and witness to them. Let's share the gospel with them. I'm speaking that over you in Jesus' name. You're going to enter into a place of stirring by the Holy Ghost. And you know when it's real, it's the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Spirit anymore. When it's real, it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm excited about that. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com. 